I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life. Welcome to 2023. Today we have Dave Zalatoris from the Beer in Front podcast as our guest today. Welcome, Dave. Ryan, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So why don't you tell our listeners about Beer in Front? Uh, Beer in Front is getting close to three years now that I put it out. I started it right before the pandemic, a couple of weeks before everything shut down. And I just, you know, wanted to talk about, you know, beer and old school beers that, you know, maybe people forget, you know, like here in the Chicago area, it just seems like beer people are chasing the latest hazy IPA or whatever. And they forget about, you know, a beer like a Sierra Nevada pale ale or an old Rasputin. That's still a great beer, but people tend to forget those while they're chasing the new trendy one. So that was the idea behind the podcast. Yeah. And I have friends like that in the area. I won't name any names, <laughs> but <clears throat> I have a buddy who's like Daisy Cutter. That's an old beer. Yeah. Um, so I listen to your podcast every week. I am a pretty big beer guy myself mm-hmm. and I've, we've, we've swapped some beers, um, just a just about a month ago. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was. I I thank you again because the beer you sent won the award show that I did last week for best craft beer over 21, Pliny the Elder. Yeah, that's a fantastic beer. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. So um <clears throat> so you do episodes every week. Correct. Yeah. Usually I they... put them out Thursdays. And you should all check that out. They're nice and short episodes. So, you know, for a quick commute or a train ride, uh, it's kind of perfect for that. Yeah, they're about, eh, if it's just me, 20 minutes. If I have a guest, could be about, you know, 30 to 45. And then for some beers, I do more in-depth reviews over on YouTube. So you could check that out over there as well. And what's the uh, URL for the YouTube channel? Uh, I don't have enough subscribers yet for the your own URL. So if you just search for Beer in Front on YouTube, you'll find it. Got it. Perfect. So, you know, if you follow uh, Soundtrack Your Life on Twitter, you'll probably see that I talk to Dave pretty often on Twitter. We talk about beer. We talk about music. Um, so I knew Dave would be a great guest for uh, for the podcast. And uh, what are we going to talk about today, Dave? We're going to talk about my favorite series of all time, The Sopranos, and just the great music that was throughout the whole series, not just the two soundtracks that came out. I think after season two and three, they had a soundtrack out with some of the songs, but throughout all six seasons, there were just great music intertwined with you know, every episode. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I haven't seen every episode, but I didn't realize how much music is in the series. And that was a huge, you know, point of uh, David Chase to make sure that there was, that he handpicked a lot of the music. Yeah. Between him and I know there was another music director that I forget off the top of my head. I'm sure little Steven had some input as well. You know, there were a couple songs uh, from little Steven that were used, you know, in the se- uh, in the series. So I'm, I'm sure he was part of it as well, but such great songs up and down from, you know, episode one, all the way to, you know, don't stop believing as the series, uh, closed out. 
Yeah, it's one of the few shows where I feel like even if you didn't really watch The Sopranos, you know how it begins and you know how it ends musically. Yeah. So those two soundtracks that came out, um, they came out on Playtone Records, which was created by Tom Hanks in That Thing You Do. And then they made it an actual label to release soundtracks, which I think is pretty fun. Yeah. I found out that little fact when I was uh, researching the uh, That Thing You Do episode with our our podcast buddy, Brian Colburn, oh, yeah. Playlist Wars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I guess we should start with that first song. So the opening credits song by A3 or the Alabama 3 known outside of the United States. Um, you know, that song's pretty iconic now. It is. And, you know, I didn't get into The Sopranos until maybe midway through the first season. I like probably a lot of people thought, what is this? Um, you know, a series about opera. No, I'm not going to watch this. And then, you know, everyone said, no, you need to watch this. This is great. So went back and, you know, started watching it. And yeah, that first song from the opening credits, no one knew who Alabama three was, you know, when they first heard it and, you know, it's a catchy song and, you know, now, 20 years later, the song really, you know, fits the series. Right. Really sets the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Tony driving through New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw this. I remember the Simpsons parody did, it, did a parody of mm-hmm. it. Um, so it's that iconic, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I know that the Simpsons writers are a huge fan of the show. I know that they've had a, a bunch of the actors play like mobsters on the show mm. no james gandolfini i don't think though but everybody yeah i don't remember if he did or not but yeah that song is you know if you didn't know it then you definitely know it now yeah yeah and that's you know from that very first episode i mean great tracks on there as uh Christopher and Tony were chasing a guy throughout the park. They're playing that Dion and the Belmont song. I wonder why. And a lot of the music, it was almost like in a comedic way, like that track, you know, I wonder why is they're chasing this guy and, you know, hitting him with the car and, you know, beating the living daylights out of the guy. You've got like this peppy Dion and the Belmont song. that was kind of funny. Yeah, I rewatched the trailer or I rewatched the pilot today mm-hmm. and uh, I remember getting a good chuckle out of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the show definitely still holds up. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched a series in full probably in like maybe three or four years. So I think I'm due to do a binge watch of The Sopranos again. You know, and the show, like its legacy, I think it kind of kicked off what we kind of call the golden age of television. Yeah. You know, with the, uh, the casting and, you know, the, the soundtrack budget as we're talking about, you know, I think it was really one of the first shows to really invest like serious money. And I think, you know, like shows like, you know, 24, I don't think they would have been able to pull Kiefer Sutherland without, you know, the success of the Sopranos. Yeah. And even like, shows like sons of anarchy which had a great music soundtrack as well i don't think something like that would have happened without the sopranos yeah it's kind of the first one to show that you could do something of this quality on tv and people would 
would flock to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So every episode obviously starts with um, the A3 song, Woke Up This Morning. But it ended with the credits with a different song every episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes, yeah, the song that they used at the closing credits was like sprinkled throughout the episode. Sometimes it was just a standalone piece. But in many cases, like that song was just perfect for that episode. Right. And sometimes it was something very well known. And sometimes it was something pretty obscure. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things about the show is it mixed genres. Like, you know, we talked about, you know, you got like your little peppy kind of doo y sort of songs. You have a lot of classic rock. Yeah. But you also had a lot of, um, there was a lot of modern music, at least at the time. Modern music at the time. And yeah, they used a lot of like 50s rock throughout there. Even like Andrea Bocelli. They played a lot of Andrea Bocelli. I think more of the earlier, maybe the first half of the season or the uh, series, I mean, they used a lot of that and it was perfect. It fit the scene. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of jazz music as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty cool. And in, in, in a specific or a particular episode, you could get five or six different genres within 60 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to think like off the top of my head. I mean, there was one uh, in season two, the episode where uh, Janice uh, killed her fiance, uh, Richie. And the ending song for that was not obscure, but it wasn't one of the Rhythmics biggest hits. I saved the world today. And it was just, you know, at the end, how Tony got rid of the body and all that. And it was like, wow, that's just a perfect song to go with that episode. And everybody knows Annie Lennox's voice, but yeah, I think that was off their like comeback record. So it wasn't a huge hit, like, you know, their earlier stuff, but what a great song. What a great finish to that episode. Yeah. And, you know, when they would pull from a bigger artist, it was rarely like the big hit, you know, yeah. when, whether it was the stones or like the kinks mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know you really got me or like i can't get no satisfaction though i believe that is on the soundtrack mm -hmm. yeah like but that's not how they ended the episode no but yeah i think the rolling stone songs they used were a keith richard song uh, through and through and then they used moonlight mile so definitely not any hits that the rolling stones had yeah so there were 86 episodes of the show mm -hmm. I believe, if I, if I can count correctly. Though I guess the last episode technically doesn't have anything over the credits because yeah, you get Don't Stop Believing and then you get Don't Stop. Yeah. And then silence. Yeah, and then it just, you know, went to like black, fade to black. And I think everybody was rushing around like, what happened? Did I lose cable? Did my TiVo run out of space? What happened here? What does it mean? Yeah. Speaking of this iconic ending, uh, what did what did you think of it when you first watched it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? What you know? Did did you go back and forth? Like how how'd you feel about it? Uh I don't think you know when it aired. I initially liked it. I wanted more of, you know, I wanted to see what happened, but I appreciate it more now 
with the passing of time where, you know, what happened to Tony is, you know, left up to you or left up to the viewer. And, you know, we could all decide what happened, whether we think that, you know, Tony and the family lived or, you know, somebody just gunned them all down. You're right. Which one do you like to believe? Uh, there's, I personally think that he got popped. I don't know about the rest of the family, but I believe that I think the one guy was he wearing a members only jacket going into like the restroom or something. I don't know if it was like a, a godfather or he came out of the bathroom and popped them. Uh, I don't think, you know, he would have taken out the whole family, but I, there's the way I picture it is, yeah, he got popped. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, how they use songs kind of in a comedic way to use don't stop believing, which everyone kind of equates as kind of a feel good song. Yeah. Um, perhaps Tony's not going to feel so good. Yeah. But it makes everyone, uh, you know, whatever people believe about the ending, that song was right there for it. Yeah, and they cut that scene specifically knowing they were going to use that song. Yeah. Um, sometimes they didn't do that. Sometimes they would figure out what they wanted to use musically after they shot it. But um, scenes like this, you can tell that they had Don't Stop Believing in Mind. Yeah. You know, and reading stories how uh, I think, like, the members of the band Journey had to give approval for it. So I think they saw the last episode before anyone. And then they gave, I think Jonathan Kane and Steve Perry gave, you know, the thumbs up. Yes. Go ahead and use it. Yeah. I think I read that they didn't want some like brutal murder scenes yeah. to their song. So it was kind of perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think I read that a couple other times where bands are like, well, what are you going to use it for? Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, it was perfect. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, they had a big bump in, sales or down that was what almost 20 years ago probably uh illegal downloads or whatever napster downloads but i'm sure they had a nice bump in sales after that episode because definitely that's all people talked about for weeks was the way it ended yeah and you know everyone knows that song's at the end and everyone knows that you got the a3 song at the beginning and how many tv shows can you say about that yeah exactly uh, so I pulled up this article by Screen Rant where they picked out 10 perfect song choices for uh, the show. And I want to see uh, how you feel about these choices. Okay. So they have um, All Through the Night, which was when uh, Tony attends uh, Meadows High School Choir Concert. And then while Tony is watching it... Um, you see two violent acts. First, we see Uncle Junior's goons drag Christopher out to the docks. And then you, we see Junior himself and his associate Mikey carrying out a hit on Christopher's friend, Brendan. Yeah. All while this lullaby plays. So what did you think about? Would that be in your top 10, Dave? No, that's not. I actually have a list. I think it's about 20. Uh, okay. That is not on my list of like songs that stood out to me. I mean, I remember the episode. I remember, you know, Meadow practicing that song uh, during the episode. But yeah, no, I did not put that on, 
you know, my list of, you know, songs that jumped out. I didn't want to go through every one of them because I don't think your episodes are that long where we could dissect almost 200 songs. Right. Well, let's go through some of your favorites and I'll see how many of them match this list. Uh, the few that I really liked, uh, the opening credits on season two where they played Frank Sinatra's It Was a Very Good Year. Uh, when they're doing the opening montage of stuff that happened in season one, I thought that was very, you know, apropos. Uh, certain other ones, like they used optimistic voices from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Dr. Melfi was dreaming about Tony being in an accident. Then you get, you know, the, you're out of the woods. You know, I can't sing it, but the optimistic voices, that was another one that was extremely funny to me. And like, oh, well, this actually does fit. Uh, My Lover's Prayer from Otis Redding when Adriana is at Christopher's hospital bed. I'm a huge Otis Redding fan. And that song, like, wow, that fits perfectly. Uh, You're Still the One from Shania Twain when uh, Carmelo was waiting for Victor when she was about to have the affair with the house painter. Uh, that song being played really, you know, hit home to me. Uh, I mentioned the Eurythmic song, uh, the kinks, the song that they, you know, use wasn't a hit, but living on a thin line, great song from the kinks. Uh, that was the episode where Tracy, uh, the girl from the bottom Bing was getting involved with Ralphie. A song that I did not know until I watched the episode, but from Emmy Lou Harris, Heaven Only Knows. It was uh, the first episode of season five, and uh, Tony and Carmela are they're separated. So just lyrically, the song Heaven Only Knows. So I had to like watch the end credits. Like you know, it sounds like Emmy Lou Harris. I'm like you know she has a very distinctive voice, but I'm like. Yeah, I definitely had to go and download that after that. And that's a song I still put on playlists because it's just a great song. The first song or the first uh, clip in season three where they used Peter Gunn and Every Breath You Take and just how the beats are identical and you just go back and forth between Peter Gunn is there wiring up Tony's house. The feds are, you know, having everything under surveillance and you get like that Peter Gunn law enforcement music. And then just goes into perfectly with, you know, I'll be watching you from the police. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Moonlight mile from the stones. Great track on there. I don't know why they didn't get the pink Floyd version, but they used Roger Waters and Van Morrison, which is a great version of Comfortably Numb when Christopher crashed the car when he was high and then Tony wound up, you know, killing him. That I thought was just brilliant, but it was just weird to me. Like, wow, why didn't they use the original? But it still fit. Sure. Um, my guess is just how expensive it is to license Pink Floyd's music. Yeah. Which comes up a lot in my show. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, there was a bunch of others like White Rabbit was in there that worked well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Boston, we were mentioning classic rock. Boston's more than a feeling as Tony was having a panic attack. Like, oh, okay, that's, you know, 
yes, it's more than a feeling. He's definitely having anxiety and panic disorder. So yeah, those are some of the ones that really like stuck out to me. Like as I was going through my list, like, oh, I need to check this one off. I need to check this one off here. Yeah. And, uh, living on a thin line and the Peter gun, every breath you take mashup were both mentioned on this list, mm-hmm. which I would assume that most Sopranos fans would probably point to those two songs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to dig out my iPod to, uh, get that song again, that mashup. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about, I feel like the stones are, in a lot of like mafia sort of sound. Effects. Yeah. A lot of, uh, Martin Scorsese films. Yeah. And I know Scorsese is a huge fan. Like he did that uh, stones documentary too, but what is it about the stones that you feel fits in so well with, with the mob? Uh, and a lot of it was like that era of the stone. So it wasn't the early stuff. It was that 67 to maybe 72 range where our, you had Altamont going on. They were just dark, the bad boys of rock and roll. Uh, I mean, the one song that they used through and through the Keith Richards song came out in 94, I believe, but most of the music that is in mob shows or mob movies of them seems to be in that era where, I mean, you had darker songs like, uh, midnight rambler, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that Martin Scorsese has used, but like Moonlight Mile from the Sopranos, I thought was just a really good song to use. That was a closing credit on uh, season six, episode 12. And what do you think about um, the pop choices that they used in the show? You know, the, the quote modern music, you know, the stuff that was current when the show was uh, being produced. It was really good. Like, Meadow and she was singing uh, No Scrubs, which was popular at the time with, uh, I forget what her friend's name was at the time, but they're bouncing around, you know, singing No Scrubs. And I think she was singing another song with her friend, uh, but she was big into music. Didn't she walk around with like the Rembrandt shirt, I think, or something like that. So she was, you know, big into music. Uh, Obviously, Tony was. I remember him bringing the boombox to his mother with, you know, old Italian songs that were on there. So, I mean, I think everyone loved music. I think the modern songs just fit. You know, older people like me might not have known them, but looking back 20 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Right. And I think that's part of the, um, kind of what the show wanted to do, like kind of represent these two worlds, right? Mm -hmm. So you have all this classic rock and, you know, Italian music and kind of just older stuff to kind of make make the show feel timeless. Yeah. But then you have all those pops, you know, Meadows listening to all this current music. So it also puts you in a specific time period. Yeah. And, you know, the show is about him. You know, the first scene is him in a psychiatrist's office and it kind of shows like this is going to be an, a kind of an interesting take on on the mafia right it's not Mm -hmm. it's not just going to be about you know whacking people yeah it's kind of showing like the two sides of tony and then the music i think kind of does that too like the kind of pop stuff is like this is what his 
domestic life looks like versus when he's running down people with his car. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, like the music with his mother and, you know, uh, I mean, they played a lot of like stuff from the fifties throughout there. A lot of Frankie Valley who was in an episode himself, you know, the Dion song that we mentioned earlier, but there were a lot of early fifties, you know, rock and roll in early sixties before, you know, the British invasion. Yeah. And, and let's talk about some of the, uh, the fun cameos in the show. I think, uh, offline we were talking about, uh, little Stevie. Yeah. Who is a, who is a character. He's not, um, they use some of his music, but he also is in the show. Yeah. They used, uh, a couple songs from him and, it wasn't a song on there, but one of the, like the funniest parts to me in the whole series run was, I think I have it written down here in season five where Christopher is late. You know, he comes to, uh, the Bada Bing or where Satriel's, I forget where, and they're asking him where he was. And Christopher belts out a line from born to run. He's like, oh, the highway was jammed with broken heroes on a last chance power drive. And if you didn't know Bruce Springsteen or born to run, you're like, all right. But you know, I started cracking up when I heard that it's like, you know, little Steven's right there, you know, and he's just saying this line from born to run. I just thought was hysterical. Yeah. And you can't have a show set in Jersey without a Springsteen reference. Yeah. Right? You know, I thought a Springsteen, I think is half Italian. I thought like maybe he would have a cameo or something, but no, you never did. Well, I guess we'll settle for a little Stevie. Right? Yeah, exactly. Who plays Silvio Dante, mm-hmm. which is as Italian as you can make a name sound. Yes. With some nice hair too. He had some nice hair going there. Also, uh, Steve Buscemi was, uh, has a great, uh, role on the show. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great part. Uh, and I think even before he was on as an actor, he directed a few episodes as well. He's always, uh, down to get whacked. Yes. Or fed into a wood chipper. Mm -hmm. He's got got a knack for these things. (laughs) Have you ever listen to the podcast talking Sopranos. I have not. That was really good. That came out about pandemic time and it's just, um, Michael Imperioli and, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but the actor who played Bacala, uh, Steven Sherpa and each episode of the podcast is an episode. They just talk about an episode of the show from start to finish and they have some of the actors on who were in the Sopranos. That was excellent podcast. And they also talk about like the music that was used too, where the uh, Michael Imperioli, I think he's more knowledgeable about music, but he also discussed like every song that was in an episode, but yeah, talking Sopranos is a great podcast. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And we should uh, mention that uh, Tony Sirico. Yeah. Is that how do you pronounce it? Tony Sirico passed away this year. Yeah. That was a sad. It was such an iconic character. And it was almost like not real. It's like almost like a cartoon character. Nobody could be that bizarre. But what a great character. 
Oh, and I think uh, Paul Harmon also passed away this year. Yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. They are getting whacked by natural causes. Yeah, not a good year for uh, people in uh, mafia movies. I know. We just did an uh, episode uh, talking about James Caan. Yeah, James Caan and, uh, oh, what's his name from uh, Goodfellas passed away uh, earlier in the year. Ray Liotta. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. We're losing a lot of good ones, but... uh, so did you know who James Gandolfini was before The Sopranos, or uh, were no. you uh, familiar with his work? I mean, I think of that whole cast. I knew who Edie Falco was, obviously little Steven, but you didn't know him as an actor. You knew him as a musician. And uh, Dr. Melfi, those were really the only people that you knew. I didn't know who James Gandolfini was. Now, I saw some of his work after the fact, but... Yeah, he was, what a great act. I mean, no one could have played that part but him. He It was like yeah. he was born to play it. He was perfect for that role. I agree. Yeah, but I feel like, because um, I think he was kind of known as a character actor before then. Mm-hmm. So it was a great casting choice. And I think, you know, like I think we said earlier, it really opened the door for I don't want to call it more serious actors, but maybe bigger names to come to TV. Yeah. So maybe, you know, Brian Cranston doing Breaking Bad and mm. and stuff like that. I think that is all part of James Gandolfini's legacy. Yeah. You know, and he was so good at this likable anti-hero, if you will. Because I mean, really, I mean, Tony wasn't a nice person. I mean, he killed people, cheated on his wife. I mean, he wasn't a nice guy, but Gandolfini made him a likable character. Yeah. And I think that definitely, The Sopranos definitely kicked off the whole like anti-hero sort of drama. Yeah. You know, like I said, with Breaking Bad and like Mad Men. Mm-hmm. We had these very flawed heroes who you should hate, but you also kind of are rooting for. Yeah. You, you know, you were rooting for him to make it out of the restaurant in the last scene. Even though he kind of deserved it. Yeah. So what are some of the songs that you may have, um, like I know you said the Emmy Lou Harris song, mm-hmm. you went and found out afterwards. Um, are there any other artists or songs that, you know, the show really turned you on to? Uh, not really. I mean, a lot of the ones, you know, I liked. I mean, they used some... Uh, older Elvis Costello. Uh, I mean, I went back to revisit like those albums. Uh, they used a good Bob Dylan song return to me that I was not aware of. So, I mean, Bob Dylan, everybody knows Bob Dylan's voice. It's so distinctive, but I'm like, Oh, I need to, you know, check this record out. And I think that with a lot of artists, you know, with a lot of songs that were in there, you're like, wow, this is really good. I need to, let me hear some more of them. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's part of the the um, brilliance of them using kind of these deep cuts. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's familiar, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And, then you, and it's before, where, you know, where you can just hold your phone up to the TV and find out who it's by. Yeah, we didn't have uh, Shazam back then or whatever. Yeah. What song is this? So you would actually have to, um, you know, watch the credits at the end and be like, yeah. what song was that? And hope, yeah, you hope your TiVo didn't run out. 
Yeah. Or that you could actually read it on your TV. Yeah. The text was so small. Yeah, no, it was like uh like Bruce Springsteen, like they used an obscure track of his State Trooper, which from the Nebraska record, which I like the record, but that's not an album that most people associate with Bruce Springsteen. So I'm sure that brought a lot of people, oh, let me, you know, check out this. Right. Yeah. Like Nebraska's a record that I feel like is for like the hardcore music fans. Yeah. And I think it's gotten like a new appreciation recently, but it's not, you know, if you ask a hundred people on the street, like what's your favorite Bruce Springsteen album or name a Bruce Springsteen album, like maybe five people in Nebraska. But here's a fun question for you, Dave. So Tony Soprano was a real person and said, Hey Dave, you're the Chicago beer guy. Give me a beer. What beer are you going to drink with Tony Soprano? What beer am I going to drink with Tony Soprano? Well, he's, he smoked a lot of cigars, so I'm, I'm going to probably give him a barrel aged, uh, I'll probably have to give him like that star from revolution. Uh, give him something dark like that. Tony Soprano doesn't strike me as a, a hazy New England IPA guy. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't want to stereotype him, but yeah, he doesn't strike me as a, you know, smelling the melon notes from the double dry hop. So I think he'd be more of a bourbon barrel aged stout. So I'd probably have to go with either goose Island bourbon County brand stout with a cigar or like death star from revolution. No Italian Pilsner. Oh, I do love a good Italian Pilsner, but there's really no one here that puts them out regularly. I mean, they're just like an offshoot where, they'll be out for a limited run and gone. So I can't think of any Chicago area brewer that puts it out year round. And I wish they would. It's one of my favorite styles like that. And a a Vienna lager. I love. Yeah. But I I think you're right that since he does do, since he does smoke so many cigars that he's not going to want like a fruity beer or a light beer. Yeah. You know, I, did they drink beer like early on when they were doing like the barbecues? I mean, he might've had, you know, a macro I'm trying to remember like, you know, early on in the series, like he was always out at a barbecue. He was, you know, cooking on the grill. So he might've had something light, but if we were to come and we're just going to sit down somewhere, I would have to go to, with a barrel aged stout for Tony Soprano. Yeah. But not like a, not like a pastry one. No, no, I don't, I don't see him, uh, you know, drinking a lot of adjuncts. So I think we'll just have to go with the basic bourbon bourbon stout that's a good answer yeah yeah i i was like it would either be an italian pilsner or it'd have to be like something kind of on the on the whiskey side right yeah like oh very cool dave so um what do you have in plan for or what do you have planned for the rest of 2023 for beer in front or what are are some of your big plans obviously i don't expect you to have the whole year mapped out but no i want to do a little bit more uh hoping to have you on uh, in the new year and we could talk the Cicerone program. Uh, Oh yeah, for sure. I want to, uh, there's another podcaster out there, uh, Dr. Doris Forte. She runs a podcast called the visionarium. And uh, she was talking to me about maybe doing like cooking segments with beer. So uh, she gave me a recipe for a stew 
that is made with Guinness. So I'm going to try that and uh, I'll have her on probably sometime after the new year. And, you know, we'll talk about that and post the link to the recipe. I found a recipe for, uh, it was a pork tenderloin with, uh, an IPA. It was marinated in an IPA with a chimichurri that looked like really good. So that's something like, something like that. I probably will do those maybe once every couple months, maybe once a quarter to do a cooking segment. Uh, I just had the beer in front awards last week that was very successful. So I want to do that again and judge more, you know, old school beers. And, you know, this year it was just macros. I think next year I'm going to do maybe light beers or imports as well as craft beers that are 21. And I just want to get out more, get out more to different breweries and places, bottle shops, talk to people there. Uh, you know, when I started the show, the pandemic hit and you really couldn't do anything for a year and a half. And, you know, I want to get back out there and, you know, talk to people outside of a computer screen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. What are your uh, social media handles if people want to follow Beer in Front? I'm pretty much everywhere at Beer in Front. Uh, I don't know. Like Twitter's the main one that I use, but lately I don't know if I'm going to use Twitter as much for, you know, personal reasons with the owner. Uh, but I'm everywhere else, you know, Mastodon, I have a discord server. If anyone is interested, beer in front, uh, I'm on Instagram, TikTok. So pretty much anywhere, just search for beer in front and you could find me. Perfect. And you can find us at soundtrack underscore your on Twitter. If Twitter is still a thing by the time this episode yeah. comes out, <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram at soundtrack cast. We have a post news account if that becomes the new thing. Yeah, I think I signed up for that too, just to like lock the name in. Yeah. And I think we're soundtrack cast on that. Um, but yeah, it was great talking to you, Dave. Um, I will definitely return the favor and talk beer with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ryan. It's fun. I mean, we've been talking about this for, you know, months now, you know, getting together for the Sopranos. Yeah. And I'm glad we finally got to do it. Um, mm -hmm. That was my bad. The last half of the year kind of got away from me. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Things happen. But yeah, um, you know, I will definitely see you online. I'm sure we'll talk more beer and more music in the new year. Have yeah. a happy holiday, even though this is coming out in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> you do the same. You know, it's always fun. I love listening to your show. You know, thank you so much for having me. I really, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for supporting the podcast on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yes, you and you as well. We're Thank you. Patreon supporters of each yes. other here. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, have a good rest of your day, and All I'll right. let you know when this is coming out. Sounds good, Ryan. Thanks again. All right, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.